Hello, I'm Sophia. Welcome to Season 2 of the I Made a Thing podcast. This project is all about helping those interested in business and in owning their own thing, in creating and doing something different, figuring out just how you can do it. When I wanted to do something different, I could only find American male role models. So here's something different made by Australian women featuring Australian women. Today we're welcoming back Kerry Carucci and this episode will be split over two. Today Kerry's going to talk to us about what's actually involved in the day-to-day work of a stylist and how she's found success with this new career. If you haven't already, I encourage you to go back and listen to our first chat with Kerry where she dives deep into how she transitioned from a completely different career into being a stylist. Thanks again for coming back for this next chat. I'm very honoured to have you back again and take some of your valuable time. We're going to tackle some practical and mindset business topics today in our chat. And I wanted to start out with, because I'm personally quite fascinated about what actually your day in your profession as a stylist looks like from the moment you wake up to the moment you switch off that light to go back to bed. Talk us through it. (laughs) Uh, the real aspect of what I get to do as a stylist looks so different on a daily basis because it's really governed around um, what I've actually got on whether I'm working with personal styling clients for the day uh, perhaps I'm undertaking um, you know preparation for a shoot whether I'm actually on location for a shoot Uh, whether or not I'm just creating or having a bit of a home office day. Uh, But I suppose to give you a bit of an indication, for me, I am a bit of a night owl. So I'm not a super, super early riser, but I usually like to get up um, around about six o'clock, go for either a bit of a walk uh, near the water by the river here in Brisbane. And it's just my sort of way to kick things off. I like to move my body Um, But also I find the water something as a creative, it really gives me uh, a lot of calmness, but also just gives me a lot of inspiration. Uh, I'm such a sucker for seeing a really beautiful sunrise or a sunset. So if I can work that into things, brilliant. But um, it's having that, that space in the morning for me to kind of gather my thoughts. Some people believe in a really um, amazing meditation practice. For me, that's kind of my Um, way of kicking things off and then I'll head back um, and sit down with a cup of coffee and sort of go through my somewhat my to-do list for the day or whatever that sort of looks like and that's usually when I'm responding to emails um, and really planning that out. Um, So if I'm seeing a, um, a personal styling client then ultimately I have already done preparation Um, for them ahead of the session so whether I'm in their wardrobe or undertaking a personal styling um, shopping session then obviously I've got a bit of a plan of attack for that and depending on what my day looks like really governs around what my outfit and what I choose to wear. Ultimately if I am working with clients either in their home or in a shopping centre it allows me to have a little bit more flexibility in what I do choose to wear Uh, apart from obviously being comfortable but ultimately always feeling and looking for me on brand because ultimately 
anyone who's in business, you are your walking, talking business card. Uh, and for me as well, it's something that I get to express creatively, uh, but also connect with people. There's nothing better than having, you know, someone walk past and just, you know, start a conversation around something that you are wearing or they really, you know, love your shoes or love a pair of earrings, etc. So there's always a conscious thought process that goes into the outfit um, that I'm wearing ahead of the day. But ultimately, if I am on location, uh, I need to be super comfortable, um, but also able to run upstairs, kneel, you know, put shoes on models, move things around. So there's a completely different practicality that goes um, into that. So yes, kicking off and then I'll um, set off. So whether or not if I'm working with someone um, in the Brisbane region, um, that's obviously amazing, but also keep in mind that I do travel either to the Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast, um, out to Toowoomba. So my day looks very differently in that respect. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of where that situates around that um, my day in that respect but usually I'm home by the afternoon and then again it's sort of getting back to any emails phone calls um, anything that's urgent uh, prepping for you know the day the next day whether or not any sort of uh, shoot um, pickups need to happen drop-offs uh, if I need to put together some looks and then ultimately which I know a lot of business owners um, if they are in business, it never stops. You basically are wearing every hat. You're on the ground, you're the accountant, you're the marketing manager, you've got to do Instagram posts, you've got to get back to all these people. Like that is part of um, part of the job. But I think that's a part that I really enjoy as well. Being a little bit of a control freak, it does help. Um, but it's also just understanding that you have somewhat um, your eyes to the ground, but you also know exactly what's happening at all sort of points. Um, and it's definitely, I think that's, there's, a, there's a huge advantage to that because you can um, somewhat govern how you're interacting with people, you know, how you're sharing, you know, for example, if I was out on a shopping session with a client and I know that there's a particular set of stores that are having you know, new stock arrivals or perhaps they're having a, an exclusive offer, it's then sharing that knowledge with my community, um, either via email or on socials to really spread that and really allow them to have access to that as well. Um, so yes, other than that, it's going into just having and nourishing my body with a really healthy meal. If I've got time to work out in the late evening, I will. Um, and then basically, it's staying inspired as well. So before bed, I'm definitely a sucker for being on Pinterest and just getting a little bit of inspiration there. And then, yeah, lights off. <laughs> I love Pinterest, as you can probably tell. And yeah, it's just the best. I mean, who? how could you not love a virtual scrapbook? It's 10-year-old me on steroids on Pinterest. I can't get enough of it. And if you're not on Pinterest, I don't know if we can be friends, to be honest. But Kerry, with choosing outfits, and you've touched on that mm. that's really important as part of representing your brand, I'm just curious to know how long it takes you to actually put together outfits and, and how much time you sort of invest in that or whether it's quite easy for you. But I don't want to make that assumption just because 
you know, that's where your expertise lies. Because for a lot of us, it can be challenging and there's nothing worse than the last minute panic in the morning when you chuck something on, it's not working, you have to make three changes before you can get out the door and you still don't feel too great. Absolutely. And I think that's where there's a combination of a few things. Obviously, being in my um, line of work, I, I know exactly what works for my body shape. Um, but one of the most important factors, both for myself as a stylist, but with my clients as well, it's having a really well-structured and well-curated wardrobe. And I say that in reference to having it organised that even if you put something on in the morning and it perhaps isn't working quite right, it might just mean that you need to change up a different shape top with the bottom that you've chosen. It's your wardrobe is displayed in a way that you have somewhat control of where you're reaching. So it might be a particular, you know, white top that the neckline just wasn't quite right. You're just feeling that it's just not quite, you don't feel yourself. Perhaps you're like, right, can I swap it out for another white top, so on and so forth. So having that definition around what your personal style is so you know in yourself, but also to have a wardrobe that represents that really makes that process quite easy. So for me personally, because I do know in advance what my, you know, at least three days, what it looks like, whether I'm with personal styling clients or I'm out and about for meetings or if I'm on a shoot, I also the night before will somewhat prepare um, my outfits um, ahead of the day ahead. So. But even, I mean, we're all human. Even sometimes I put something on and I'm like, oh, just not sure that's going to work for me today. <laughs> yeah. um, so it, it definitely happens. It's not a seamless process that I think everybody um, thinks it is. And I don't exactly have a wardrobe like Clueless either where it's like an ever rolling um, stream of clothes there. <laughs> I mean, I wish, hopefully <laughs> one day. Yeah. Um, but ultimately it is really understanding when you understand what your um, personal style is, there's so much of this um, internal confidence that even if you're experimenting with outfits, you kind of give yourself permission to because you back yourself somewhat. So that process of getting ready in the morning, even for me, sometimes I'll put something on and it's a little adventurous, even for my own style. But if you can just somewhat back yourself to say, oh, well, this is what we're rocking today, you'd be super surprised. And it's funny because I've even experimented it with myself, given the fact, as we spoke about last time, there's so much human psychology associated with it. Somewhat, I like to experiment what I'm challenging my clients to do. So I actually get that full, um, I understand what it feels like from an emotional level from how that kind of interacts and from a daily level as well, because ultimately that's the greatest test that you can do. Uh, and it's funny because if you just have that confidence that you just need to rock this outfit, it might be a bit out there or perhaps you're just not sure, you'd be surprised um, what that kind of interface will be with people um, when they are experiencing it during the day as well. So, yeah. So we touched on in season one, the idea around defining your purpose and what uh, place passion versus purpose plays for people. And it's obviously very different for everyone. Where are you on, do you need passion? Do you need purpose? Do you need both? And what the importance is for you in your career? Yeah. Um, 
and it's funny, I've I've somewhat had this internal dialogue on both of these sort of elements and more so as you get, and I think when I was searching for what that something else was when I was in my career and you start to read different books and you're listening to different podcasts and you're di- listening to different points of view and it's very much such an individual um, interpretation of what that looks like for your situation. And for me personally, I think I've always been passionate about styling and fashion. And as we covered in season one, like having that episode one, I should say, having that real, um, you know, passion's great. It's, it's something that, you know, what drives things like you get it from enjoyment. It's a bit of a hobby, you know, that really drives that. But I'm of, of a firm belief that passion alone won't get you to move out of, you know, or move into, I should say, uncomfortable or unknown territory. Passion won't alone, won't just allow you to chase after a dream. Because if that was the case, and I can only speak on my own story, but if that was the case, I would have maintained my career in engineering and just dabbled in fashion and styling on the side like I was, you know, still doing Pinterest boards and doing all that fun stuff. Uh, But that would have been where it stopped. The difference between completely pivoting my career and completely pushing myself out of something that I've always known is where it becomes greater and it is definitely a direct proportion to having that greater purpose. And it was a purpose for wanting something more from life and for myself. But also the biggest driving factor for me was the purpose in being able to make a difference and transform someone else's life for the better. And that's where understanding when those two things collided and having that, you know, somewhat come to fruitation of being both a style, both having that passion for fashion and styling and having an eye for that creativity and composition, et cetera but then having that undeniable purpose and that driving force that you can bring both of those things together, that for me was where, yeah, where it all changed. And is that too what helps you do maybe the things in your business that you aren't overly passionate about, like your accounting, maybe even Mm. prepping a heap of social media when you're tired and you just want to put your feet up? Totally. That's the thing. And I think any, anyone who's in small business or anyone who is in that startup stage, and if you are listening to this, this, there's no, um, there's no way of kind of sugarcoating it. It is hard work. It really is because of that fact of you are on the ground in your business and working in the business and on the business. And even when you're not working on the business, sometimes, and I even suffer from it, you someone have this guilt that you should be working on something else because you've always got something outstanding. You should be doing a little bit more um, of your social media planning to, you know, ease those things up, or you've got a different fluctuation of, um, you know, timeframes. Like for me, I might have three shoots in one week, but I still need to get on top of all of my marketing. There's all of these ebbs and flows that will happen. So if you were relying simply on passion to get you through that alone, it's not enough. It really isn't. And I think 
everyone is very different on how they operate and how what kind of place that they do um, undertake their business and having that as I think for me personally being a bit of an overachiever there's always that constant momentum that you want to keep pushing um, and you want to be the best version of yourself but you want to be the best version in the industry that you can be at your capability and I think without having that real drive and the purpose to keep pushing and you know even from for, from a creative element pushing you know who you're working with and you know reaching high with team like creative teams and incredible photographers and amazing models that have huge followings and they they've just got such a presence within the market that even that alone passion just doesn't it's not enough to drive it so you definitely need both and having that clear purpose does that help give you the confidence to work with those people that you really respect that are leaders in the industry you're involved in yeah absolutely i'd really actually i'm such a firm believer that when you are on purpose and you're in however you'd like to call it in alignment on purpose you become magnetic because there is this authentic raw passion that you speak you speak from a place I really believe that it's like a place from your heart and it's from a place that's so deep on that real you just you connect with people in a whole new way and the reason why I think I believe in that so much is something that I experienced when I was working in engineering and it was towards that later part where I was really searching for something and I wasn't sure where I was going with the career and I just wasn't feeling, I didn't, I wasn't feeling like I was lighting up at work anymore. And it would be funny because people that I had never met before and you'd have the, the conversation of, you know, what do you do for work? And literally for six months, every time I would say that I was a civil designer and this is what I did, I would literally have, complete strangers saying to me, do you enjoy that? And it's, it was just, at the time, I didn't really think much about it until it got in. It was such a consistent level. And it, you'd be at networking events, you'd be at family events, you'd be meeting, you know, friends of friends, complete strangers. And it just, it kept reoccurring. And it's funny because as soon as I'd made that decision and I was really on the path of, you know, moving into the world of styling and really passionate about building that side business and side hustle, there was such a contrast and I even could see it and feel it in my own state between talking about that and then talking about styling. And even now, when I haven't met someone before and we're talking about, you know, obviously what do you do, etc., and just talking about what I get to do and the lives that I get to change, it's just this commonality that people will just automatically respond with. You must really love what you do. And that's where I think too, like having such, having such a purpose and having complete, complete authenticity when you are connecting with people, there's that exchange that it's just, it's undeniable. It really is. I wonder if previous you, say 10 years ago, would have ever thought, that you could actually feel like this and be have that reaction from people. I wonder if you ever would have even imagined that scenario. No, 
I don't, I really don't. I don't think at all. No. Uh, I just, I love what's possible when we, we go for it, you know, we work hard and we get support, we get the right support. We don't have to do it by ourselves. It's yeah, it, it's, it is truly, it is a true inspiration and it is truly, it's a true motivation when you are so, as you say, dialed into that purpose that helps you get through doing the accounting if that's not your cup of tea. So another topic that we dove into season one was professionalism and it is different for everyone. And I think it's a challenge for, particularly for women transitioning away from a very structured or traditional corporate career to having their own small business, particularly as a creative. And I'd love to hear how you potentially redefine professionalism from you transitioning from working in engineering over to being a stylist and how you are going to have a lot more freedom, but still be professional in your role. Talk to us how you figured that out and what that looks for you like now, how you define professionalism for you in your business. Yeah, definitely. Um, And it definitely is something that working with a lot more creatives and small business women in particular, because they are coming through that transition uh, and coming from the idea of what professionalism looks like and I think it's breaking down the the barriers and also those boundaries that we've always put around what things are actually you know what they mean so you know it's such a commonality that and it's probably one of those things I even know that my mum said that to me when I was growing up you know to look professional you would wear a pair of black pants and a really nice top or a white shirt you know like those sorts of Um, ideas that we've always been passed down and I think that's the beauty about obviously what I do as a stylist is really breaking down those rules so to speak and allowing them to be um, seen through your eyes in your particular um, circumstance so I speak a lot to a lot of my clients because what I firmly believe is that there's no rules around your personal style and there's no one size fits all. We're not um, fruit. So we're not shaped in a certain way because everyone is so beautifully unique that there isn't just a rule around that. There's not just a rule around because you are a photographer or you're a graphic designer or you're a lawyer or you're an accountant. It doesn't mean that you need to be perceived or you dress the same way um, in that right either to be professional. What I think I'm unpacking it more and understanding what it looks and feels like to you comes back down to what I developed quite early on in my styling was the four pillars of style. And ultimately that's what I firmly believe really sheds around that. And it's understanding or knowing first off how it is you want to be perceived because it doesn't matter if you're a photographer or you're an accountant It still comes back down to that crux of how do you want a perfect stranger to perceive you personally as a personal brand and as a business, someone they're interfacing with. Because then if you start to unpack that, it looks like, you know, whether it's trustworthy, you want to be approachable, uh, you want to still be professional. Perhaps you're someone who, especially for females, they've moved out of that corporate role and they're into their freelance or creative industries or, you know, startup small business and they want to really make that drastic effort to look feminine or to look, you know, fun or they want that sort of 
a little bit more flexibility in what people are actually perceiving them as um, up until that point. And for me, that was definitely something that was high on my priority list when I'd moved out of engineering. Secondly, is then knowing your personal style. So knowing what that looks like for you. So things like, what do you like to wear? What colors are you liking to wear? Understanding what your lifestyle looks like. Um, if you're someone who doesn't like to launder things, you don't really like dry cleaning, you don't like those sorts of components, or it's just not part of your lifestyle, then there's no point really having or building out a bit of a corporate, or I shouldn't say corporate, a brand or a business wardrobe that's not practical for you because it just, it's not attainable. The other thing or the third pillar for moving into that um, pillars of style is I'm such a firm believer of fit and fabric. So it's understanding that what you are wearing fits you really well, but also the fabric allows you to look professional. So that's such a make or break because as much as people don't really consider it all that often, if you have a garment that's obviously just looking really under the weather, automatically you just have that perception of just not looking quite professional. Um, and it's the reality of things is that we make a first impression in less than one and a half seconds subconsciously, whether we like it or not. And then if we look at it from a, a social media or an online presence, it's even less than that. And that's just given and it's governed around what we're, as a society, what we are actually exposed to. You think, you know, how fast you can scroll, you know, advertisements, those sorts of components. So that's something to really keep in mind when you are, you know, putting something together and you are considering what looks professional or how to highlight that professionalism for you. And then the fourth pillar is accessories. Now, for me, I think that this is such a defining factor of how you can really build out that professional standpoint, regardless of what industry you're in. Even if you are working in corporate or whether you're a graphic designer, accessories as far as you know, really great shoes or a statement shoe, um, a really great handbag for ladies, you know, that's going to allow you to do that. For gents, it's having shoes that are in, you know, great working order or they're polished or you've just got something that, you know, subconsciously or not, but when we meet people for the first time, we connect with their eyes or we'll shake their hands, but our eyes actually go straight down to the shoe and then comes back up. So that's something to consider. And one of my really good friends, and he's actually a mentor of mine, um, said to me very early on in the piece that you can tell a lot about a man in his shoes because the, the condition of his shoes states on where he's going in life. And it's always really stuck with me because I think it's something to consider that if, if that's really ultimately even one component of your wardrobe that you can allow yourself to look and feel professional every single day and it's by having a good pair of you know a, a great condition whether they're a pair of sneakers make sure they're clean you know look after them maintain them if you're working in corporate you know are they well polished and the same thing with women you know if you've got a great pair of heels or perhaps you're moving into that creative industry and you want 
a bit of a talking point, a shoe's a really great way to do that because ultimately, especially other women, will always compliment or notice those foreign things. Um, and it's that's just something to really, just to keep in mind. Like it's a really easy way to keep that professionalism across the board. Further on that though, I'm such a firm believer that, you know, we meet people first off, we make that first impression. So it's just taking a little bit of care with how you're doing that and thinking about how you are presenting yourself um, each day. So for me personally, I very rarely will leave the house without makeup on, have my hair done, because for me, that's a really great way that I feel confident, but I also feel professional, um, even if I am, you know, just running around, um, grabbing some errands or doing what I need to as well. And I guess that's keeping your standards up for you too, isn't it? It would be maybe a bit of a shock, even subconsciously to a client or a potential client if they came across you and you weren't presenting, as you say, that brand that you've worked hard to develop, if there was a sudden change to that. And I'm not saying that's a deal breaker, but it's just inserting, you know, potentially some uncertainty for your brand for that client interaction. Of course, I'm not saying you can't change, but it's, you know, that a change has to be managed. It has to be strategic when we're talking business. And if you suddenly turn up, no makeup, maybe wearing something that, that you would never wear in public, people are going to ask questions. And why put that pressure or inconsistency or doubt in someone's mind about your brand? Yeah, I, I just, yeah, it makes so much sense, Kerry. Yeah. And I think too, if you talk about it more from a marketing point of view, whether you consciously think about this or not. So studies show, and I'm sure it's probably a lot more now, but I think it's something between 14 to 20 points of contact before someone invests or buys a product or a service, right? The way I perceive my brand in particular, um, but also how I work with all of my clients is being conscious about how they're interacting with their potential customer and all clients. Because ultimately, we're all business people and that's somewhat how you need to look at it from across the board. And even personally, it's like exercising a muscle. When you do it regularly, it just becomes part of your routine. And it's the same thing with getting dressed. And I think even for me personally, I have always maintained that same standard throughout my career. Um, and even growing up, I mean, it's funny because we, as a family, and my younger brother and I both had um, competition show jump horses, but we were also involved in pony club and all of those fun things. And it was incredible. It was such a great way to have, you know, amazing childhood memories. But in particular, there's this one class um, that you undertake at um, a pony club, and it's basically your presentation class, and you get judged on how you look your horse looks and all of your um, riding gear. So your saddle and your bra, like everything is judged. And ultimately it's a way to standardize not only how you're showing up at these events, but it actually had created such an incredible like ethos, work ethic, but also standard from a very young age throughout my working career, you know, even now, and the attention to detail that I had somewhat learnt and it had formed 
from a very early age is something that I personally am so grateful for now because as a stylist, even being on location or styling large campaigns or even with a client, it's that attention to detail that I think even defines me um, further and is almost like a point of difference for my brain and my style um, and even for my clients that work with me. So Carrie, I was a, a pony clubber as well, so I can completely yeah. relate to that. And, uh, you know, I think it really taught me as well just to appreciate and care for what I had because traditionally two pony club is for anyone that can potentially afford to be involved. So you would have people from very different socioeconomic groups because in Australia we're, we're pretty lucky in that a lot of people can actually afford to be involved in riding in places like England. It really is only for the rich. And so it, as you say, standardized and it allowed people even who maybe didn't have the flashiest equipment to still do really well if they were presented really well and their gear was really clean and their horse was well looked after. And, you know, it didn't matter if you had the most expensive equipment, if your horse wasn't presented to the same standard, you wouldn't do well. So it was a real equaliser and, and kind of taught you that if you put in the hard work and you looked after what you had, you could go a long way. So I, I got a lot from that as well. So I can very much relate and we'll have to talk more about that off air. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's funny actually reflecting upon that as an equaliser um, in particular, something to to even shed light around what even I believe as a stylist and also I know to be true in a sense that even if you can afford a Giorgio Armani suit um, and you definitely can wear it. If it doesn't fit you really well, it doesn't flatter your body shape and you're, you're not feeling it, like you just, you're not feeling confident wearing it, you're not going to look any better or more well-presented or more stylish than someone who perhaps has got a secondhand suit that they've picked up or it's a vintage piece that they've thrifted and it's been tailored to fit them incredibly. Um, and they look and feel amazing there's no comparison at all. And it's no different than the pony club um, situation either, because it didn't matter if you had a brand new um, saddle or perhaps you had, you know, hand me down, you know, jodhpurs or boots or those sorts of things. If you could present them in the same manner, you were in the same, you know, you were in for a running chance, exactly the same, completely equal. Um, and it's exactly the same with how you present yourself on a professional front. It doesn't matter a price tag on something. If you go to the effort and that's how you consistently present your business. And I think keeping that in mind as well, throwing it back um, to, you know, small business and knowing that in startup stage, you're, you're definitely trying to find your feet and everything that any profits you are making is being reinvested back into the business. And ultimately, we're always the last that sort of will see any of that benefit or, you know, perhaps a little bit of extra spending that we can use on ourselves personally. That's not to discount the fact that you can still show up, look presentable, you know, work with incredible clients um, and customers because of that consistency in your branding and that presentation of professionalism um, is what is, I believe, is the difference between being successful and having an incredible reputation and brand 
um, to, you know, just showing up whenever it suits you. As you mentioned before, one day you might be wearing makeup, one day you're not. Um, it's that consistency in how you appear. Find out more about the I Made A Thing podcast by heading to the website at imadeathingpodcast.com. There you can listen to all previous episodes, read the show notes and access any resources and further reading.